morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. Also streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. I want to welcome you to the show and remind you that you can join the conversation on Twitter by following me at FitMuslimah, F-I-T-M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H, or use the hashtag MWM Radio. That is the Mornings with Mubarak Radio, MWM Radio. I want to talk a little bit this morning about, we're talking about the richness, the challenges of being a black woman and how that relates to our health. Um, we're, we have an exciting, well, exciting for me because you guys know that I am a huge, huge health advocate. We have an exciting show with two women who are doing a lot around black women in health. But I want to start us off with a little, uh, a little food for thought. So the World Health Organization says that health is a critical and complicated component of women and girls' lives. Poor health can pose serious obstacles to economic stability, educational attainment, and employment opportunities, just as health can empower women and help women sponsor, help women prosper in all of these areas. Yet health can also be quite hard to control. A person's health is shaped by personal factors such as genetics, family history, and lifestyle choices, as well as as one's environment. The context in which people live and work play very important roles in determining whether they are protected from or put at risk of disease, as well as the diseases in which they are exposed. So that was a statement from the World Health Organization in 2008. So we are eight years since, and the uh, statement still reigns very true. And so today we're going to talk about health using Hopefully, we'll touch on all of these categories with our two guests. So I have with me calling in um, Morgan Dixon, who is the co-founder of Girl Trek. So Girl Trek is a national organization that mobilized black women to walk um, each and every day in order to empower them. Their goal is to reach, they're already at 68,000 active black women who participate in daily walks throughout the country. And their goal is to reach and mobilize a million black women and girls by 2018. Um, And their goal is for these black women to be change makers in their lives and communities by developing routines of walking in order to move in the direction of their healthiest, most fulfilled lives. Now, Girl Trek has been featured. They actually have a half page featured this month in Essence magazine, and they have been featured in countless different uh, um, national or magazines and newspapers and media outlets for all of the wonderful work that Girl Trek does. Thank you for joining me, Megan. Hi, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, We also have with us this morning, we have uh, Adrian Mayo. Adrian Mayo is the president of the board of Fit Haven, which is a New Haven organization 
who is dedicated to reducing the health disparities among women and girls through physical fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle management programs. Um, their activities include walking groups as well, working with uh, patients at CMHC, Connecticut Mental Health Center, as well as um, healthy eating and exercise um, within the New Haven public school system. Thank you for joining me, Adrian. Good morning. So today I want to call, start this conversation off about um, a little bit about what you see as that spurred you to be the most concerned about black women's health in particular. So you're both black women. So that's important for people to know. <laughs> Can't see that on the radio. But besides that, what is it that spurs you um, and encourages you to go for this very complicated mission, Morgan? Yeah, you know, um, thank you for having me, Mubarak. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the work you do always uh, to elevate the conversation, um, but also beyond words and beyond conversation to really change women's lives. Um, so I just, I really thank you. Um, the, your question is is wonderful, and for me, the fact that I am a black woman is actually really important. There, there are lots of schools of thought around social change, and one of them that I believe most most uh, dearly mm-hmm. is that those closest to the problem are closest to the solution. And so, for me, I was very much a part of the health crisis, um, and I still am a part of the health crisis every day. That I have to try and find, um, just find the strength physically and find the strength spiritually to really combat what I feel like is um, our systems and and um, cultural beliefs and routines and habits um, and family traditions um, and environmental factors and all the things that you said in that wonderful quote this morning that are honestly um, uh, barriers to health for me um, and present not a culture of health, but a culture of disease for me. And this is very personal. So this is not, this is not, it's not actually debatable. The, the, this is every day that I wake up. This is, these are things that I feel. Everything from not having sidewalks out, outside of my front um, yard to walk down the street safely to um, waking up to family members who are dying early deaths or who, um, or who needs who who are in such financial kind of ruin that they need support that I don't have to give, which causes stress, or you know, or not, or having a craving for my mom's peach cobbler when I know I need to lose five pounds. <laughs> These are all sorts of like very intrinsic, cultural and um, and systemic things that I feel like over. I don't. I mean, I used to be a history teacher over the last 400 years in this country, particularly African Americans and particularly Black women, um, have created to protect themselves from lots mm-hmm. and lots of, of kind of systems of injustice and other things. And so, I could talk about it for a long time, and I won't because I know radio is actually not the forum to get super, super, super deep on these things. But <laughs> I encourage anybody listening to really get deep with yourselves around what it is that stops you from practicing self-care every day. And then ask yourself, what is it that I can do every single day? What small act of rebellion can I do every day that really makes self-care a revolutionary act for you? Because it is just that as people who have been honestly workers in this country for longer than we have been free, 
I think the notion of freedom and health are really connected. Um, and so, so I encourage everyone to have that conversation first with themselves and then to get a sister, um, a friend, a mother, a cousin, and start to have that conversation. Like, what is going on here? Because that's how Girl Trek started. Me and one of my dearest friends asked that same question. And then today we are thousands and thousands of women strong who are collectively taking action. Awesome. Awesome. Adrian, um, what is it that, uh, what do you think that spurs you into action of wanting to make a change? Um, well, I would say um, about 20 years ago or so, I saw the health of my mom and grandmother decline due to obesity, poor diet, working, you know, hard, long hours. And that kind of spurred me into pay attention to my own self, my own health, and, you know, my nieces and my sisters, those around me. So I've been doing this for about 25 years. And now that my nieces and younger cousins are growing up, I noticed that they've taken on some of the same bad habits or poor habits. And I can see even at 25, 26 years old, that their health is failing them or they're going on a decline. And they're headed towards the same road of obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure. And that's a concern for me. Um, so when I look and look at them or speak with them, they inspire me as well as just being in the profession, in the industry and seeing the numbers disparity the um, with women, particularly, you know, ethnic women it um, inspires me to try to push a message or to get them to see that, you know, we need to do this ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. You know, we're in the household. We're taking care of the household. We're working. And, and um, you know, what we do as women, the children are watching us, and then they p- pick up some of the bad habits. So I try to encourage the younger ladies, the younger girls, as well as women as well, to um to incorporate these better habits, better nutrition, exercise, all of these things because I didn't I don't want to and I did not want to see my nieces go down the same road that I saw my mom, my grandma, maybe an aunt or whoever go down. So, you know, just looking at those those closest to me, that's what's inspiring to me. Awesome. Well, we're talking so we're talking, and I think, and I think Morgan certainly led the the topic of um, Black women really having um, a sense of self care. And I, for me, this really hits home because I'm gonna put put, put my sister's business out there, right? <laughs> so last week, I um, drove an hour over an hour to my sister's house, who was not feeling well, and literally made her get in a car and go to the emergency room in which she ended up having to stay for three days um, and in the hospital. And the conversation with her was, well, I can't go right now because um, I have to, uh, uh, the people at work are depending on me or, and I can't go right now because uh, there's nobody to cook dinner. And so it was really a, a hard conversation with her about self-care. So in, in this was literally a life or death. I, I really believe she would have been in a much worse situation if 
she had waited even another 24 hours before she went to the hospital. And so there's this sense of kind of like, uh, I think we have a couple of things that, that are culturally um, has, has prevented us from self-care. And that is that we are the, as, as they say, the backbone of the entire family. And so we feel this sense of if I am sick or if I take time away to take care of me, then my family is going to collapse. And so when she, when I, when I, went to to visit her when she got got out the hospital and we're having a conversation I'm like you're going to take off from work tomorrow she's like yeah because um she has a daughter who um has the disability she's like yeah because her room needs to be clean and she needs some new sheets on her bed so I think I'll do that tomorrow I'm like no you know what if she doesn't have a sheet on her bed she's not going to die I promise you on the other hand start moving around too much you may So I think that that is, so how do we get over that? How do we, what do, what can we do personally? What can we do to change this culture of thinking in the community? That's a good question. Yeah, this is Morgan. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Morgan. This is Morgan. I, you know, I think that I, God, what a what an illustrative story! It's a beautiful story, and it's a tragic story, and it's not uncommon. Uh, it's a pretty common story, and so I thank you for sharing it because I think that you probably touched someone today. I know that you touched me with sharing that, and so I I, I appreciate that. And on on behalf of your sister, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> she told your business. I tell my sister's business all the time because I actually. I think we have to have some level of real talk um, in order to solve this, this, um, what really is a health crisis. And, you know, I think we're afraid to say it, but it really is a health crisis. Black women are dying disproportionately at higher rates than any other group of women in the country. Um, And I was talking to a bunch of college students recently, and I said, did you know 137 black women die every single day of heart disease? And they were looking at me, and I said, so while we are on the picket lines for everybody else's issues, we better understand that that's almost like an airline flight going down every day of black women of heart disease. And so, and, and, and it, it just gave them chills. It gives me chills. It, like it is, it is a crisis. So it, it actually requires real talk. One of the things that it reminded me when you were just saying that is that, or one of the solutions that I have found in my life and I, and I, and I'll share it. And I hope that it's helpful to someone else is that I actually had a bigger value around service to others. I felt more worthy when I was in service to others than I did when I was in service to myself. So in other words, I didn't even have a value there. I didn't place a value there that, that it, I knew that I, I don't have a, a low self-esteem. I lo- I actually really love myself. I think, you know, I think I'm all that. I think I'm cute. I think I'm nice. <laughs> I think I'm smart. All those things. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but I actually didn't get anything from self-care. I didn't get, I didn't get like the emotional charge or like the spiritual like fulfillment that I get when I care for other people. And so that is a good thing. Service to others is a good thing, but I actually think it's out of balance again, because of our unique history where our service to others was directly connected to our value and our physical service to other, our laboring to others is directly connected to our value as human beings on the planet. And that is 
in such a disproportionate kind of swing to that side that we actually sacrifice self-care and we praise sacrifice. You know, Vanessa and I, um, the, Vanessa's the co-founder of Girl Trek and, and one of my dearest friends, she and I used to trip. We used to be like, why does everybody love the movie Soul Food? It is so <laughs> tragic. It was like, why were they all around Big Mama's bed? Like, ooh, and it was just like good music playing and like good you know, like good images of her cooking and slaving away from her family and she died from a preventable disease. That is not okay. We need to change that narrative. It is not okay to die at the sacrifice of your family because you are directly teaching the girls below you to die in sacrifice of others. And we want to live. We want to thrive. We want to model to our girls that we are worth living our healthiest, most fulfilled lives. And the last thing I'll say about that right there, if you are not motivated by self-care, I'll give you a couple of other things to be motivated by. One is that we need to reclaim the streets of our neighborhoods. So if you are interested in doing that with us, we are now at 80,000 Mubarak. I don't, I don't even know what statistics you were looking at, but we grow so fast, it's hard to even keep the statistics. That was, so and hopefully you've grown to 80,000 since your August press we, release. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. So hopefully we're at 80,001 by the end of this call or 80,012 because somebody listening goes to girltrek.org, takes the walking pledge, and that is to at least join us on Saturday mornings as a new tradition of walking, um, at preferable walking at least five days a week, and at the most, getting your friends and family to walk with you, Harriet Tubman style, and you get 10, you get you earn Harriet status in my book. So mm-hmm. go, to, go to Girl Trek, that's girltrek, T-R-E-K dot O-R-G, girltrek.org. It takes two seconds, click the button, take the pledge, and, and you will be a part of a solution to reclaim our streets. So that's a second rationale. Self-care is one. Number two, if you care about community service and taking back our streets, there is nothing that reduces um, crime and uh, crime and, uh, and, and improves kind of community structure more than people outdoors in collective action doing things together. Um, and number three is to inspire your daughters. So we walk to heal our bodies, we walk to reclaim the streets of our neighborhoods, and we walk to inspire our daughters. And I will, I will, I will finish with this quote by one of my favorite authors, James Baldwin. And James Baldwin said, you know, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. And so you can talk and talk and talk and talk until you, you know, can't talk no more. Mm. But if you, unless you put some feet to those prayers, those girls will not imitate you. And you need to walk in the direction of your best life. Absolutely. Don't tell them to do it. Show them how to do it. So, so those are three really strong rationales. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. We are talking about black women, health, and self-care this morning with Girl Trek co-founder Morgan Dixon and um, Adrian Mayo, the president of uh, Fit Haven. I want to give you a few very poignant uh, and and local and national statistics. So we know, and this was that there has been a recent release of um, obesity statistics by the CDC. And 83% of black women are overweight. Researchers predict that 95% of black women will be overweight by 2034. In the city of New Haven, 
seven in 10 people are overweight. 27% are overweight and 43% of our residents are obese. In the New Haven Public School, when there was a survey of girls who were in the eighth grade, 47% of our girls are overweight. So it is not just a national epidemic, but it is an epidemic for us here in the city of New Haven, one that we certainly want to create a solution to because we have the first generation. I remember when I first heard the statistic that this generation is the first generation that may not outlive their parents. And that is for the children that was born the year that my baby was born, which was the year 2000. That is a very sobering statistic. And when we think about health and wellness, I think that we just naturally incline our thought towards the adults, towards the people that are our age range, whichever range that may be. But when we think about, when we hear these statistics, we have to think about the next generation. You know, I think about when I was, you know, 10 years old, it, hardly anybody, I don't, I don't even think, I'm, I'm trying to think if I even had a friend that was overweight, that would be considered like literally statistical overweight. I don't even think I had one. I was just having this conversation with my husband the other day and I was saying, you know, I remember getting on my bike in the morning and just like riding from friend house to friend house, picking everybody up and we would ride all day long. And what my only rule was, you just have to come back before it get dark. Right. And that is what we did. But unfortunately today, young people don't move like that. They're not active like that. And it's not only because they don't have a bike or they don't have anything to do outside. It's not necessarily the, the, the physical capacity, but if you live in a neighborhood, as Morgan um, mentioned, one of the attributes that don't have sidewalks or you have a park that's, that the city doesn't take care of and you have to be afraid of your kid being cut by some glass because you've had people hanging out at the park at night breaking bottles or, you know, you don't want your kid to walk down the street and pass the gangs or the drug dealers or their only option is to stay in the house, <laughs> you know. So it, 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 the dynamic of what is is trickling into the next generation is it's not just about food. What we're eating is a part of it. How we're moving is a part of it, but the environment that encourages or discourages that makes a huge difference and a huge impact in whether or not we can pass what was tradition for us, you know, going to the park and going bike riding down to the next generation and the difference that I'm, that, that, that makes, what is the, so besides just leading by example, we know that that's, that's, that's the first thing. What are some of the, the things that we can do in our community to make a difference in the environment itself? Either of you. <laughs> And to go for it, Adrian. Yeah, I'll try to go for it. That's a good question. Um, it kind of, for me, it goes back to, um, I guess, yourself and lead it by example of what you do. Uh, 
like you said, um, in terms of the parks and the conditions of the neighborhood, you as well as you bringing someone along or dragging someone, you have to show up at the uh, city hall meetings. You have to show up and speak to your local representatives. You have to make our issues or the issues of your community, you know, you have to make them aware of it and you have to, you yourself or others like you, you know, you have to be able to get the message across that you are trying to and you want to improve the conditions of the neighborhood for the children and for the entire community to be able to use it. But I think always it starts with you and, you know, what you do. Um, Other than, you know, like I said, bringing the issues to those who can help clean up the community and you actually playing a physical part in it, I'm really not sure what else, you know, we could do in the case of not having safe neighborhoods and communities. I also think that technology, it's a gift and a curse sometimes. I think that um, we need to encourage children when they're young to move more and get them away sometimes from the TV, the video games, the mobile devices. I think that a lot of it has to do with that as well. Um, But again, I think it just starts with you, myself, you know, and us as individuals to get people or get the, you know, subject moving. Morgan? I love, yeah, I love those ideas. I love all those ideas. They're great. And you, you, uh, this is such a rich conversation. Um, there's a couple of things that you, that both of you guys said that, that, um, that, that made me have some ideas. One is that those obesity statistics are really alarming. It is my opinion that that obesity is not the problem, that obesity is a symptom of the problem. And, um, and I think the more we talk about obesity, the more we isolate people and we don't actually want to have those conversations with our friends, with ourselves, with our daughters. Um, and so it makes it a much harder conversation. I think what makes it easier, but I think you, we have to make eye contact with it. We are dying from obesity related diseases, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, I had to make eye contact with it. Mubarak, I got on the scale. I was 200 pounds. And you know, <laughs> when I first met you, before we started, we started our own little revolutions in our own corners of the world, you were my trainer for my wedding. And you know I was not no 200 pounds, okay? <laughs> right? And, I, and, and never in my life, but I'm getting older. I'm sitting more. I'm doing all this stuff. I had to recognize that I am clinically obese. According to my height, I am clinically obese, and I just, this was now 19 days ago that I got on the scale. I am, glory be to God, now four pounds down. <laughs> I, I, awesome. I had to go back to the mission. I was like, yep, I've been drinking apple cider vinegar, girl, doing yoga in the morning, walking five miles every day. I'm not, it is not a game. I'm not going out like that. So obesity is an issue, but I want other people listening to know that an easier way to talk about this is that we have a crisis that we have a culture of disease and we have a crisis around inactivity, number one, and poor diet, number two. And if we could do those two things are in kind of our sphere of control. And so the crisis of inactivity is that two thirds of black women, that's 68% of black women, that's almost seven in 10 of us sitting at church, engage in little to no leisure time physical activity. That, that means we don't exercise. Seven out of 10 of us don't exercise in our free time. That, that is not okay. And there's, a, there's another statistic that said if you just walk 30 minutes a day, it would be like a miracle drug. If you just walked 30 minutes a day, that's all you have. To, you can 
sleep the other 23 and a half hours in the day, but just walk 30 minutes a day. So that's number one, what we can do. Number two is once you start something good in your life, what happens is that there's a cascade of other habits that you start to form, including eating better. Trust me, when I go out and I walk, you know, 30 minutes even, I know I have burned exactly, you know, 300 calories. I ain't no way I'm going to eat a bag of Doritos because I just <laughs> walked and burned the calories off. Do you see what I mean? So it is a direct, it is a direct, so what happens is you start to make other decisions in your life. Like, well, shoot, if I'm investing in, in, in this kind of discipline, then, then I don't want to do it. So that's the first thing I was going to say. The second thing I was going to say is I loved what you were saying that I, um, um, we were just, girl, girl trick was just doing a, um, advocacy training for our volunteers. And I was preparing for that training and I was literally floored by a chart that um, we partner with these folks called Change Labs and Safe Routes to School. And they had given us some like information and data. I was floored by a chart that said it was the social determinants of health, right? And it was a big pie chart. And it was like, you know, how much you exercise, what percent of that pie chart is going to determine your health. And then how, you know, how much you, you exercise, how much you, what you eat, you know, kind of what your habits are. Kind of thing. All of those only made up 50% of how healthy you're going to be. Mm-hmm. The other 50% of the determinants of health were environmental mm. and that pissed me off. So when I'm climbing up a mountain with my friends and my asthma starts acting up, that's because I grew up in the hood. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I am not, and I'm not trying to start a revolution here, but I'm saying we have to have a solution for the other half of things. And so I love your question. What do we do to improve our communities? Cause we have to, yes, take action, cleaning up our parks, that sort of thing. But we also need a collective action around what are our policy issues? We need to get, so there's two things that if there's two very practical things that we're doing, if you want to get down, you're welcome. Everybody's invited. One is that as part of that advocacy training, we are just launching a new hashtag called girl Trek fix it. Girl Trek fix it. If you see something in your neighborhood, take a picture of it. Hashtag a girl Trek fix it. Now, can I fix it? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but what we're going to do is catalog all those things. We're going to figure out what our issues are to solve together. And then we're going to create a 360 agenda to solve those issues together with city level leadership and, and federal leadership. And so we are just starting this advocacy campaign. It, it hasn't even launched yet. You guys are the first ones. We, we haven't even issued the media, media press releases. I get but an Girl exclusive. Isn't. I got an yeah, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> is, is launching um, at, at the end of this year, and we're going to then roll roll it all up to our what we call them city captains. Um, they're volunteers who run the kind of the takeover of a healthy city in black neighborhoods for Girl Trek, and they're all coming together for a convening in January. They will review all the Girl Trek and Fix It hashtags and figure out what their agenda is together. If you are interested in being a city captain in New Haven, hit me up. My name, my email is Morgan at girltrek.org. We are interviewing now for city captains of New Haven. But so, so that's one thing that we're doing. The second thing that we're doing is we are voting on November 8th. Mm-hmm. How are we doing that? We are organizing walks to the polls. How are we doing that? We are asking every woman out there that if you are, um, everybody has their voting precinct, go to girltrek.org and put a walk on on your, on our website, mm-hmm. invite your neighbors to walk with you to the polls because voter turnout is crucial this time. Absolutely. So I don't want to talk about no park space when I know that there is a bill being voted on now around land and public land and acquisition of public lands. I know I don't want to talk about whether there are sidewalks when I know that there are contracts being built or being um, being uh, given out every single day, federal, local, state contracts being given out 
around where kind of where construction happens and where it does not happen, or what kind of food and food vendors are available and what zip codes. It is a shame that you can put in your zip code and many, many different, you can look it up online, many, many different websites and calculate your life expectancy according to your zip code. That, my friend, is a crime. It is a crime. And so we have to raise up together and do something. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, and we are talking about black women, health, self-care, and advocacy. Um, some of the things that you mentioned, so first, I'm going to start my own hashtag. It's going to be Preach Morgan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Hashtag preach more. <laughs> I think that what you really hit the nail on the head, because I think that uh, we have to, as the black community in not just health advocacy, but in all of the advocacy, advocacy, social justice, economic, that we really have to understand how public policy shapes our lives and the impact that it makes on our lives, everything from police brutality to um, your um, your health your health determinants, and all of those things are really shaped intricately with who you vote in office, what they advocate for, what the, the bills that they pass, the policies, and many of the things that people don't understand is. When you don't have people that will advocate for you on the city governmental level, on the state governmental level, on the federal governmental level, your issues are never taken care of. What I'm often, what is really interesting. So I read um, um, Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, right? And which, which is an excellent book in terms of, um, um, women in the workforce and uh, certainly and the interesting thing is that there's one part of the book that I always think I'm sure well I'm not sure but when she wrote it she wrote it in terms of why women in leadership is important and I always think of that when I think of the importance of advocacy for uh, issues that affect the black community she she told a story about um, when she worked for Google and she said that when she was pregnant, she was like eight or nine months pregnant and she had to go to the bathroom really, really bad. And we know when you're pregnant, they're like, that's like an emergency right there. And there was no parking spaces close to the building. And so she parked far from the building and then she kind of waddled in as quickly as she could, got herself to the bathroom and then she walked right into her her boss's office and just went on a rant about how women who are pregnant should have parking spaces closer to the building next to the handicap. And she said that he just looked at her and said, oh, I never thought about that. And then w immediately made the parking spaces available. And it was only because he was a man. He never even thought about that as a need. And it took a woman having access to leadership in order for that to happen. So it wasn't a conspiracy so that all pregnant women can park far away from the building. Right. It was a you know, he just never thought about it. And so what you said in the beginning, uh, Megan, I think speaks to this point. The people who are closest to the problem 
are closest to the solution. And so you really have, we have to put ourselves in position to one, either be a part of the solution on governmental level. I'm a huge advocate for people in the community running for office. And if you are not able to do that, we have to hold our public representatives responsible. We have to be in their office, in their face, telling them what our issues is, telling them what the solutions are so that we can so that they can create the change that we need in the community because they are the representation of us. Do they have to be black in order to bring solutions to the black community? Absolutely not. But they do need to know what the solutions are because they don't have them, not because they don't care most of the, sometimes, not because they necessarily don't want to help us. It's they literally just don't know. You have no idea what it's like can living I, in a community with no sidewalks. About, <laughs> yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, can I say one thing? This is because I think I, I used to be like this, and I think there's probably listeners out there. As soon as you say the word advocacy, my eyes used to glaze over because I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. I see it. I watch I I watch Netflix every single political show um, and I just think about like one of those shows or something like it's not me. I don't know how to advocate. I don't even know what you're talking about, really. Um, And for anybody out there watching that, I want you to think about the legacy that we come from as African-Americans. If you are African-American, as Americans, if you are American, because all of these people are also American. Think about Fannie Lou Hamer and think about who she was. She had a very little, if you don't know who she was, she, um, she registered 60,000 people to vote by herself almost in Mississippi. She um, kind of was propelled into power. She spoke at the Democratic Convention, uh, National Convention with her purse on the table because she was one of us. She was like, <laughs> I don't trust these people. Let's put my purse up here. She was, and you know um, it's bad luck to put it on the floor, right? <laughs> She was a former sharecropper. She had a very little education. The reason people loved her, actually, is because she was not a quote-unquote advocate or politician. She was a people, a person of the people. She sang our song. She sang, you can find online her singing this little light of mine. I mean, Fanny was your grandmama, your auntie, you. And so... That's why we we always say we're looking for the fannies of our generation. We're looking for everyday women to go and sit in the in the council meetings or everyday women to tweet about what the problems of their community to their officials, those sorts of things. I just wanted to say that because I think people can feel um, disengaged when we start to use even bigger language around political advocacy. And because I used to be like that and I will leave with this short story. There, I was at a march. Um, this is when I was back in college a, a, a long time ago now. Um, I was at Howard, and this is when, um, you know, police shootings were happening 20 years ago when I was in college. And a man named Amadou Diallo in, in uh, Brooklyn, you probably remember this, yep. Mubarak, uh, had, been, had been killed, a Haitian immigrant. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he, an unarmed man, had been killed um, in Brooklyn, New York, and there were, there were lots of rallies about it then. And uh, Reverend Al Sharpton came out, and I was a student at Howard University. And um, we were organizing, of course, and we, you know, we had our little protest signs and, you know, came on down to the uh, Department of Justice protesting on behalf of police brutality in Amadou Diallo. And, um, and his mother was there and, and everything, you know, the Nation of Islam was there and they keep an order and, you know, everything, you know, everything was, was in order. And, you know, they were making plans for a big protest that was going to happen the next day. And there was a man in the audience. Uh, who 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 looked to be homeless, um, and he kept raising his hand at inopportune moments. And you know, the nation was like, you know, the brothers in the bow ties was in the front. They was like, brother, not now. 
You know, he just kept raising his hand. And it's like, brother, not now, not, not now. And so it kind of got uncomfortable, right? Because he was just, you know, he was, he was a little disruptive. And so eventually the, one, of, one of the brothers who was holding the piece said, brother, okay, what do you need? What do you need? He came up and he said, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just know y'all planning this big rally on Sunday. And I just want you to know that the 150 bus don't run on Sunday and people won't be able to get here. Mm. It was like, bam, of course we <laughs> needed that information. You know wow. I mean? Of course we needed that information. It was crucial information to the movement mm-hmm. that people would not be, people who did not have access to cars would not be able to get to this mass demonstration mm-hmm. against the gunning down of unarmed uh, people of color. And so what I am saying is that he was an advocate in that moment. He spoke, he spoke up for his lived experience, which is a lived experience of others. And so I encourage you to speak up for your lived experience, who, whether you are homeless, whether you are sick, whether you are old or young, whether you're overweight or thin, it doesn't actually matter who you are. You matter and your experience matters. And we need you to speak up for what matters. Absolutely. I second that. <laughs> and, and third and, and fourth. And third that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag preach Morgan. <laughs> that's going to be all on my Twitter today. Hashtag preach Morgan. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you both. Um, you know, as far as policy is concerned, it is important. I think um, our issues, not a, I'm pretty sure that our issues have to be fixed by us. That's where it starts. And um, not everyone, like you said, will gravitate, Morgan, um, to um, movements and things like that when they hear certain terms. It is sort of like a turnoff or a fear factor. And um, I think it's important for people to remember that it always starts with you, no matter, you know, what the issue is. And I think that we have to always focus or keep the focus on, you know, in order for us to fix our problems, we are the ones that have to uh, be at the forefront of this and we have to fix it. And policy is important. And we, not everyone will gravitate, not everyone will want to learn the policies, but there are those of us who will so those who are able to or those who are more attracted to know the policy side of things, they should always be there to represent or to be part of the group to represent these things to a group. I think um, groups um, are great. I, your group, Girl Trek, Black Girls Run, Black Girls Rock, Black Girls Code, all of these sort of um, groups are important because it shows or oh, there is a group of support, I should say, and and it also brings issues to the forefront that maybe um, you wouldn't have been aware of. But then in the group, you're able to bring these things to the group. People will gravitate to them more because they see that there are others that are interested in these problems and issues and that they will be more active and more willing to participate to bring upon a solution for these problems. Absolutely. I think that what, what's, imp- what's important for me is to know that um, the internet is 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 really a, a, a connecting tool, and sometimes people aren't aware of the amount of resources in their local community. And it really does, guys. Just take a quick Google search. One of the things that I know Fit Haven does is a walking group. They have. Uh, um, girls programs in the New Haven Public School that offers um, after school programs and you can go to fithaven.org to find out some of the activities happening in your local community. 
you we have cooking groups and and farm and groups that will teach you how to make a garden in your yard and we have a lot of resources right here in the city and then if you don't live in New Haven which many of our listeners don't you can connect with with national groups like Girl Trek and start something in your city I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of um, it don't say something doesn't exist. You be the change. If you feel like you want a walking group or you need an exercise class for just women or a swimming class for just women, you be the person that arrange it. You be the person. And that that's what advocacy is, is actually using your voice, using your action, using whatever you have the ability to do in order to bring attention and change to an issue that you see is a needs to necessarily be changed. If you're just tuning in, you're tuning in to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, and we are talking about black women, health, wellness, advocacy. So we are down to our last five minutes of the show. Um, and Morgan, leave us with something that you want to. So we know we got our exclusive, right? We got to have Girl Trek fix it. Uh, leave us with um, um, a couple of things. One, your final thoughts on the, on the things that we, we've talked about today and how people can get involved in Girl Trek. Thank you for having me. Um, my mama raised me right. I just want to say that. <laughs> and it, we're doing, we're, we're actually doing a, uh, we're, we just started yesterday or Monday, a campaign called 40 days of gratitude, where we walk, we, we promise to walk at least 30 minutes every day and write one thank you letter to someone in our lives every day. And we're going to do that all the way to Thanksgiving day. If you're interested, go on our website and just take the pledge to do it. It's not too late to start. Um, and so in that spirit of gratitude, I just honestly and earnestly want to thank you for all that you do for so many women in our country from when you were on Oprah representing to when, to the kind of grind of your every everyday life to the example that you set of love with your husband to, to how you raise your children. You are just such a shining example, Mubarka. And I just really want to publicly thank you for that. Um, and you're, you're welcome, honey. And then uh, in terms of like what, uh, where I think, you know, Girl Trek is going or how people can be involved. Again, you can go to girltrek.org. If you do not, when you type in your zip code and you don't see a walk in your neighborhood, it's because you're the one who's supposed to start it. So start it. And, and then when somebody else comes on, they will put your zip code in and they will see you and they will connect with you. Um, and with that, in the, the last thing I just want to say is that all of this conversation um, is wonderful and rich and important. I would say that the conversations we have to ourselves every day are more important. And whatever you need to do, to put your sneakers by the door and to, to reclaim 30 minutes of your life for yourself, um, whether that is yoga, whether, whether that is running, hiking, whether that is going to the gym, whether that is working in the garden, we have to take time back. We have to reclaim time. 
because we don't, we're not we're not getting any more of it. And so we have to reclaim that for ourselves and make that self-care your revolution today. And wh- I promise you, when you do that, other things will start to fall in place in your life, in your mission, in your calling for what you can do for your family and your community will become crystal clear. So thank you for having us today. And I, I look forward to, if anybody needs any help, again, my name is Morgan. I'm at morgan at girltrek.org. Um, and I'm happy to help out in any way that I can. Adrian, you want to leave us with some thoughts? Um, yeah, to you know, recap what we've discussed, I think that um, I would like to say that um, you know, like I said, it starts with us. Um, to echo some of the things that Morgan said, and first of all, I'd like to say, Mubaraka, thank you for having me. And Morgan, I'm glad I was happy to be on the show with you. You guys always inspire, or I learn something new, or you inspire me to want to do more. I um want to remind us that it starts with us. Like you said, it starts with us. It starts with where we are and what we can do. And I think that when you have a positive mental attitude, people will gravitate towards that and you could bring other people along on your mission and journey. Um, Also, I would like people in the New Haven community to know that fithaven.org, that's fithaven.org, is a website that you can go to for information and it would, you know, let you know what we have available in the community, or you can email us at info at fithaven.org. That's info at fithaven.org. And we're available um, in this community and other communities to uh, discuss or to give advice for those who are in need. And if you have suggestions on what we can do to help improve um, the health and awareness for women in our community, women and girls, we're available to discuss that as well. So again, I'd like to say thank you for having this opportunity to discuss these issues here. Thank you for joining me and thank you for listening. I want to remind you that we want to be your voice and talk about topics that's relevant to your life. So go to our website, morningswithmubarakah.com, click on the Contact Us tab and suggest a show or give us feedback. Remember, if you don't live in the New Haven, Connecticut area, where you can get us on your radio dial at 103.5 FM every morning, every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., you can listen live stream on newhavenindependent.org or find all of the past shows on podcasts at iClouds and iTunes. You can join the conversation after the show by using the hashtag MWMRadio. Thank you for listening. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, encouraging you to be a voice and not an echo.